You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums, Forums podcast. We're at season 10 and it's episode 9. Um, the reason why it's episode 9 is because Good John earlier on did an interview with Davey Irons, uh, Stenhouse Mayor Manager, so they'll both be out this week. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday night uh, for a wee change, so as we speak, the St Mirren game and Celtic game is still getting played. We'll not talk about it until it's over. Um, which will actually probably not be too, too far going. So I'm John, uh, I'm your host for this evening, and joined by Tony again. How are you doing? You alright? I'm okay, John. Thanks for having us again. I know, good to have you on. Um, how are you getting on? You alright? Yeah, just uh, just usual. I think what everybody's doing during this COVID is just getting by, so try and watch as much football as you can when you've got a three-year-old, but um, uh, I, so far so good. I, definitely, I take it he's not into football yet, too young for it. No, yeah, I've tried to get him into it, um, but he's, he's not really that interested, you know what I mean? He'll, he'll we'll watch it and he'll say, oh, the colours and all that, but yeah, he'll go kick, kick, and that's about it. Next thing Aye. you know, it's someone paper pig. That's fair enough. I don't think I started watching football until I was about eight or something like that, and even then it would be kind of... Aye, likewise. Hard. I remember the 86 World Cup and just not being interested in it, Aye. you know? right. That's what got was the first one I remember. That's what I remember watching. Um, so shows my age. Um, <laughs> so I, it's kind of weird. I feel like you're saying this every week, but in a season that's not got much football, there's lots to talk about because mm. obviously the lower leagues have to get going and all that type of thing. Yet um, I'm going to touch on it briefly just before we get started properly. So the Lowland League and the Easter Scotland League now they have been told. 10th of October is the start date, so it's got to go ahead, fixtures are out and all that type of thing. Um, however, the West of Scotland Football League still not got confirmed dates. It's looking like the dates are going to be announced tomorrow. Speculation is that it will start 31st of October, so Halloween. Um, I don't know whether it's maybe because obviously in the West of Scotland there's restrictions in terms of movement or the household things and all that type of thing. But we'll see what happens. Um, are all the clubs happy with this, or is there kind of a bit of discontent amongst them? Certainly frustration. I think frustration from a lot of them in terms of like they want to know when they're getting started. At the weekend, their um, friendlies started, so obviously they were mm. told, or all the fans were told, don't turn up at all, don't jeopardise what's going to happen. So everything went smoothly in terms of that. You even had a situation whereby games were getting live streamed. <laughs> Uh, so who would have thought that at that level? But I game, games were getting live streamed. Um, I think I seen something. I may be wrong with the team, but I think it was Canvas Lang Rangers, right. and they were having a bit of a pop because they were told the game was going ahead. Then they were told it was to be off, and then literally the day before they said, "Oh no, the game can be played again or something." Aye, there was, um, there was various problems across it in terms of some teams had organised. Maybe like say an Ayrshire team, for example, they'd organised. A fixture friendly with like a Glasgow team, mm-hmm. but they were told that that wasn't allowed just now because of everything that's going on. We're like Glasgow being kind of partial lockdown again, yeah. and things like that. So teams were having to kind of try and rearrange fixtures, and it's already been difficult for them. Obviously, the loss of revenue and different things like that. They want to just keep going again. Um, so 
fingers crossed we're in the right direction. Whether there's going to be fans back for a while, I don't know. We, we've maintained for a while in the podcast. You would think it would make more sense for them to allow fans back at the lower leagues than at the top flight, considering the size of crowds and different things like that. It would surely mm. be easier to distance. Yeah, you would think that, especially with terraces, it should be like easier to spread folk out in a terrace yeah. um, rather than like a big all-seater stadium. And how, how are they doing it with the, the players? Because I would have thought, I mean, money's the big thing, especially on that level. Like having to get tests, is it once every game or how are they doing it with the tests? I, I think that's maybe part of the problem. I don't think they will be able to have testing at that kind of level. Mm. So that's probably part of the problem. And then you've also got the issue whereby unlike in the, the Premiership, whereby these are full-time footballers, they're in their wee bubble, they're maybe allowed to do certain things, like maybe go and play golf or whatever, and, but still maintain your, your normal uh, living with COVID. These guys work. Mm. You know that way? So they're working, coming into contact with however many different people, etc, etc. There's a situation as well whereby they've been told at the games they can't go for a shower after it. It's a case of game played, away, straight away, mm. different things like that, so, it's, I don't know, I, th- I think it's a, I think it's a difficult one in terms of trying to make the right decision, um, but you get back to some kind of normality, I think, I noticed in England, certainly, I think this weekend there's going to be about nine games that are going to have test events, similar to what mm. they had up here at the weekend, where there was the, the Aberdeen Kilmarnock game and the Ross County and Celtic game. Um, there was supposed to be 10 but Luton said it was too short notice for them to get to do it to do a test event well Luton was Luton not one of the areas that was high risk I'm sure not that long ago so it's probably is a wee bit short notice for them um, in the sense that they're probably worried about the, the scale of things and if anything was to happen um, I just I, 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 I do worry for like the lower leagues and the west of Scotland because the last thing you want to happen is for at a start and then it stop, then start, and then stop, you know, because at the end of the day, these lads, I mean, they're part-time, but they put their heart and soul into it to make the training, play the games, yeah. and then for them to not know what's happening, I think it's a bit, it's a bit out of order. There should be some sort of guidance, or at least a, an idea as to what, the, what will happen if... Some, you know, I mean, something happens to one of the players, at least some sort of scenario that they say, like, well, this is what we want to do in the event that maybe one player gets COVID, then that player just needs to isolate, but you can still play. If it's two players, then you, yeah. the team may have to isolate. But there doesn't seem to be anything, any idea as to what's going on or any rule set. I know, exactly, yeah. But even as well, going back to the situation with the friendlies and them changing things in terms of team from here, so I couldn't play a team from Glasgow and stuff like that. The crazy thing is, most of these teams have players from all over the rest of Scotland. So it's like. Aye. Much as our teams in the are down this way or whatever, there's folk traveling from Glasgow to play and different things mm-hmm. like that. So training was still taking place and all that different type of thing, and there was maybe no kind of consideration taken into account for that. But let me see what happens. And obviously, we've had this week, we've had the, the situation with St. Mirren, um, an absolutely crazy situation. Obviously, but your two goalkeepers, well, we initially had the story whereby it was Lee Hodson with. Um, yeah, he's now at Hamilton, isn't he? Yeah, he's at Hamilton now. But he shares a flat with Jack Hamlick, who played for St Mirren, 
Oh, is that how the Hamilton players? Aye, so that's how that kind of started going. Then they found out the backup keeper. Um, He was tested. Mm. And then the third keeper was obviously in the situation whereby he'd been compromised because he'd been in close proximity to the two keepers. So this broke out. Did that break out? I think it was Thursday or Friday. It was Thursday. I'm sure it was Thursday when I heard about it. So I don't know if this happened. Uh, Late on on Thursday night, but I'm sure it was Thursday night I heard about it. So you then had the situation whereby you're wondering, well, who else? If the game's getting played, which we're, no one was sure about, because we're still not sure in terms of how many case, positive cases does it have to be before a, mm. um, a team can't fulfil the fixture or whatever like that. I think there was talk at one point with the, the Aberdeen situation, obviously when the eight players were having to self-isolate and different things like that. I think as long as you could have a squad of 13 or 14, then the game was mm. still going ahead. But slightly different situation, obviously, in terms of goalkeepers. They had no goalkeepers. Yeah. Um, so there was, there was talk online with maybe Jamie Linefield. I've um, seen that. Uh, because obviously he's a goalkeeping coach, and it was a funny tweet. Uh, he kind of mentioned in terms of, uh, my wife's never been so pleased as to see a Bobby in her life <laughs> um, when they made the announcement that um, Slamar would have been given a loan deal or a short-term cover deal for, for the games. But just crazy. So- I mean, what I understood from that was um, it was the Scottish government that said the game that could go ahead and the SPFL went okay then. Now, I, I don't understand that, to be honest. I, I don't understand why the SPFL have said, yeah, your game can go ahead when you've got three goalkeepers out, but you've got ball and goalie, just the one left back. It's not even first choice left back at Celtic. And then they go, no, you can't play for like two weeks. I I don't get it. I, if I'm being honest, I, I, it seems to be like they're just picking and choosing what rules suit them. You, oh, you yeah. know, and, oh, and that's where it's un- on. Aye, it's, it's unfair. I mean, really, it's unfair in some on that. And I, I agree with Jim Goodwin actually um, in, in that point where you know I mean it's, it's ridiculous to have three goalkeepers with COVID and them to turn around and say, "Ah, oh, you can play the game." Just get somebody because you can draft a goalkeeper in, but go- if you're drafting a goalkeeper in. Who's never had any experience via defence, never played, you know what I mean, this season, but you expect them to do a job. I mean, I watched the highlights and I'd, I'd say probably two of the goals he could have got, yeah. you know what I mean? But again, that's probably because he's not used to the surroundings week in, week out, and he's not used to the defence. Definitely, I, a difficult situation for everybody in um, the club and obviously the player himself having to come in at short, mm. start short notice. Um, I don't know. I, I, I reckon we will get to a stage whereby there's going to be games called off because of it mm-hmm. again in future. Um, but this, think, is what we're, this is what we were talking about. There should be some clear set rules with regards to COVID. Yeah. Guidelines. There's no guidelines whatsoever from a footballing sense. I mean, we all know, well, we kind of know the basics with regards to, you know, the best of six and all that stuff. You know what I mean? But in footballing terms, there's there's nothing really that tells you this is what you need to do, this is what should happen. It's just a case of we'll use this rule now, um, whereas we never used this rule before. Yeah. So it's just it's just a, a joke, to be honest. Aye, the situation as well in terms of, like, there was Hamilton players, then three of them were found to be tested positive. However, when they were retested, they brought out negative results. And I think this is a problem as well with the testing. The testing doesn't seem to be fit for purpose. It happened with Gogic, didn't it, as well? Yeah, it doesn't Gogic. seem to be fit for purpose. So mm-hmm. you've got a situation whereby 
people are getting told they've got it and they don't. Now, for footballers, they're all right because they're getting tested regularly, but for Joe Public, who are you or me, mm. you end up positive, you're maybe two weeks or ten days, whatever, self-isolating, maybe you don't need to because that was how it turned out. You, better, you don't have it. Yeah. And different things like that, so they, they need to get that sorted as well. But Yeah, yeah and also as well, was not all players in the Scottish League are on the good money that the top players are on. If you start going down, even when you start going down the bottom of the, the Premier League, you'll have young players who maybe, say, youth contracts, so they're doing that and they're going to university or college. So it's going to affect them if, if, they're, if they're like studying out or what have you, or they're, do, or they're going out doing training courses or what have you. Um, I, it needs to get really looked at, and it needs to be like thought out, some sort of plan. Hopefully, at least before Christmas, there's something set in stone that how we're going to go forward. Because, I mean, if you go on a national scale, I do worry about what's going to happen in regards to the winter time, and I think Scottish football may really be affected um, if we don't have anything set in stone or have any plan for the future. Aye, because obviously it's not just football that there's frustration, there's frustration at all levels mm. in terms of just work, life in general and stuff like that. And, much a have... stop start, isn't it? It's... Aye, aye. But good to start with so much negativity, eh? Aye. <laughs> <laughs> get out of the way. <laughs> aye, but we, aye, get out get out of the way anyway and um, hopefully we can come on to kind of cheerier news and cheerier tales. Um, so the weekend action saw the, the, the strange situation whereby actually all games kicked off at three o'clock, um, which oh. in a normal situation would be great because for fans would be like, oh, brilliant. I can go to football three o'clock, normal time, all that. You can enjoy your Saturday night. However, so we're obviously in this situation where it's like pay-per-view games and different things like that. So I don't know if yourself, if you've been watching any pay-per-view games or Celtic or that, have you? I've not really. And the reason being is I can't really justify it. Um, because You know what it's like. I mean, you've got a family and everything. I'm already playing Sky Sports, BT Sports, Premier Sports. You know, I mean, I can't even justify it to pay another 15 quid a game to watch um, a Celtic game. Um, are Celtic even doing a pay-per-view option? They're not, but obviously Ross County were doing it. Um, yeah. My understanding, and I may, I may be wrong here, but my understanding is Celtic are not doing a pay-per-view because of the season ticket situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they're saying the season ticket holders get the games live. So I'm surprised at that because I would have thought they might have done a package where they would have got non-season ticket holders, maybe bumped up the price a wee bit, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, so I'm a wee bit surprised at that because normally Celtic are quite quick if they think there's an opportunity to make some money. Um, and well, well, they've not. So uh, I'm a wee bit surprised that they've kind of just kept it to the season ticket holders. Yeah, because Aberdeen, I mean, the situation was they took a while to announce our places. Um, and I think part of it was because you, you can probably do a few why season ticket holders are getting a, a real end of the stick just now. A lot of them are maybe paying mm. money just because they want to help the club as much as they can, even though they realise there might be potential they don't, don't get too many games this season. But the pricing for myself, I'm a, a member, um, so the Aberdeen and Ethan, and it was 9 99 just now, which is pretty decent. Um, 12 for non-members, so I think that's pretty reasonable pricing. Um, well, I'm a member like this, the Celtic tickets game, because um, like, I tend to go to at least one game every couple of months or something and yeah. go up. Um, but there's nothing really I've seen. I was surprised because I thought that they might do something like, because um, I've got a feeling that it may not be this season. To be honest with you, they might, they might, I may start having like reduced 
folk in, and you'll probably not get the crowds as they were until the beginning of next season. Yeah. Um, full of coming back. So I'm surprised Celtic haven't done something where they'll say, oh, we'll give you a discount for the season tickets for the following season, for buying the season ticket. Yeah. Um, and then trying to get people um, to get, like, the tickets. Or even done, like... So with Celtic, what, what they tend to do is they release tickets for games um, in a couple of weeks in advance to say... There's still tickets available. They'll send you an email, what have you, saying there's tickets available if you want to buy a ticket if you're for non-season ticket holders. Um, and then they kind of do the usual, hurry up, buy stuff. Um, I'm surprised they've never done that, even. You know, with the allocated the amount of people, they could actually watch the Celtic games. Yeah. So they kept it to the 60,000 kind of thing. So they've got your season tickets, so I'll still get it. And then you can do like a pay extra if you're, if you're part of the membership or what have you. But... I don't know. There must be a reason behind it all. Uh, it could be as well just you maybe kind of streaming and stuff like that. Maybe bandwidth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who knows? But um, to the games itself at the weekend, Celtic comfortable winners. Um, obviously Shane Duffy making his debut. Yeah, do you know what? It was comfortable. But I'd say the goalkeeper was man of the match. The goalkeeper had a great game for Barkas. Um I don't know if, you, if you've seen much of the game yourself. Um, it, Just highlights I've seen myself. Because, um, was, yeah, I because I was watching the, the Aberdeen game. First half, they wanted to be great, to be honest with you. They, they kind of huffed and puffed um, to get through it. And again, on Twitter, was, you could see the grumbling starting, you know, because it was like side ball, side ball, side ball kind of thing again. Um Second half, far better, far, far, far better second half, but still, there were still issues at the back, um, and the keeper had, had a great game, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, it, it seems quite uneven at the minute, the, the Celtic team, because they're trying to fit Forrest into it. So I, th- yeah. I think they're happy with the back three, and they're happy with um, Frimpong, for attacking games and he can cut in as a defender mm-hmm. the left hand side the stuck forest which was a bit of a surprise yeah. he tends to play on the right um, tonight for example they put forest back in the right um, and they try to buy this that boy for Charlton as well and he, he's a kind of left wing back is it Dotty or something like that yeah I might not so, announce that right but yeah so yeah so it did look a bit uneven at times and they did get kind of caught out in general, they were better attacking, far better attacking. It's just kind of defensive. I think they still need to try and work themselves out. Aye, I suppose the thing though as well is obviously last week, for example, you'd have had players about in international duty and stuff mm. like that. So there wouldn't have been much time to like get the players together and sort your shape out and different things like that. So there'll be a bit of teething problems with it. Obviously, they went to see the back as well, yeah. uh, which has probably worked more that kind of further forward situation. But as you say, Forest situation, Forest seems to play whatever happens almost. He seems to be a, a favourite. Oh, he's a favourite. He's uh, a Lennon favourite, Forest. And you're seeing it more now actually with clubs playing three at the back. They're actually playing wingers as a wing back. Mm. The Aberdeen, which is interesting. But on the flip side, you're getting a benefit up top because there you get a front two. I mean, Edwards and Ayeti, I think potentially could be a really good partnership up front. 
I, I yeti. I mean, he's hit the ground running. He's been fantastic, to be honest with you. He's he's a no nonsense striker. He's he reminds he reminds me of like Hartson in some aspects, where he just shoots. You know what I mean? Not not so much with like the, the aerial, but when he gets the ball, he's strong with it. Yes. Well, yeah, you know. And then when he turns, he, he's got a good shot on him, yep. um, which is something I think we do kind of miss. Because as much as Edwards a great all rounder, sometimes. He likes to have that pass goal, you know, where he can pass it in and then he looks yeah. for the perfect goal. And I think you need to have that striker that can just bang them in. And I think Ayeti can do that. So he's he's been fantastic. Yeah, because um, they look at the likes of the heat, you know, how you, you see the heat maps and all that type of thing. Yeah. And Edward does a lot of his best work in like almost a number 10 role or Aye. coming down the left. A bit like the old Thierry on situation whereby he always used to come down the left, cut in. So you've got that with him. But as you say, Ayeti, he's very much a reactionary type striker. Like you can mm. spin on a spin quickly, score his goal on Saturday was a perfect example. He just reacts quickest um, to score. I mean, what, three goals in three games mm. in good form, looking good. Edward being back as well. Wins a penalty. Penalties maybe a slightly soft, but it is a penalty. I think it, uh, there is a tug, but yeah. is it, was it enough to go down? If it, was all, if it was at the other end, would you have been... Would you have felt oh. aggrieved? I think it's a 50-50, to be honest with you. I think if, if it went on the other end, I think it's one of the ones you could see why the referee gave it, because there does seem to be contact. Um, I was amazed that the Dallas gave it after like three minutes, if I'm being honest with you. Um, when, you when you see some of the penalty claims in some of the games that never were given, um, that one was, uh, yeah, I was, I was amazed they gave it so early. Because um, normally the referees don't like giving penalties early. They're normally waiting. Um, before they give like a penalty, but fifty-fifty. I can see them giving. I can see them not giving. It's the probably penalty. the best I could say. Aye, definitely. But the penalty itself, Edward, casual as you like. I, I, I hate when players do that. It's great <laughs> when it goes in, but see when they miss. Aye. Oh, you're screaming! You're absolutely screaming at the telly when they miss. But no, uh, he, he took it well. He's a he's a boy with confidence, and he scored for France midweek as well apparently so he obviously feels quite calm and collective when he's taken definitely a couple of problems and as you said defensively Duffy almost get caught out at one point with Billy McKay getting in behind yeah, I think I think that's first game isn't it you know what yeah. I mean just getting used to the, like, the, the back three and what have you um, he, he done well to get back and he, he scored a good goal solid enough kept a clean sheet you, you can't really ask more than that to be honest with you um, and, and as I said the keeper man view was like the the best player of the game, and I was made up for him because he was start, he was starting to become, you know, a bit of the whipping boy. You know that way you can see it happening in the papers. Yeah, that he was getting mentioned a lot and all that. So I'm I'm made up. They had a really good game. I um, mean, hope, hopefully that builds his confidence up for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean in terms of for Ross County, it's one of those games where by maybe not expecting too much from it. It's not that type of game that will define their season. It will be the games against teams that ended around them, um, and we'll maybe talk about it more as we go through the, the games but already it's looking very much like there's going to be a top four and then the rest of the teams could potentially um, be trying to avoid relegation. It's early days though I mean we're only in what seven games so far Yeah uh, I think I think if I was a Ross, Ca- Ross County fan probably the only thing that would worry me was the way they kind of capitulated after they lost the second goal um, it was as if their heads kind of went down and from being quite tight to marking and being really not bad defensively in the first half, they kind of lost the way, um, especially after the second goal. You know, they were then higher 
through, you know what I mean? It just, yeah, I'd be a wee bit concerned about that, the way they kind of lost their way in, in the game because they looked really solid and, and really good first half. Yeah, um, and now as we speak, we mentioned earlier, obviously Celtic and St Mirren playing tonight. So St Mirren took the lead early on. Um, Celtic have won, they've come through 2-1 winners. So job done as, as far as Celtic is concerned. A double game, double week. A few changes tonight. Is, um... Yeah, he changed. He, he dropped Frimpong and he put Forrest in the right and Moya Elanusi in the left. Um, Defence was... Left. What's that? I think Taylor played on the left. No, Taylor played um, as part of the three. It was Taylor, Ayer, and I think remember Bob, um, the new one. El Hamid had played, I think. Was he? Was he in the back three? I th- I, I'm pretty sure I've seen that. Yeah, I no Taylor did start on the left. So what did they play Forrest then? On the right. So would have been on, on the it right was, Forrest. Uh, it was Ayer, Duff, Ayer Duffy and El Hamid. Chris they played? Yeah, he played in seven Cham. Alright, so... Uh, and Clamala came in for... I've seen that, huh? Um, so, I mean, that's them. Um, obviously, one... That'll be them. Um, two points behind... No, three points behind Rangers. Three points, aye, because we're exactly... a game in hand. Yeah, game in hand. Uh, no, I was, I was just trying to think there, how, how they were doing that formation, because... Um, I was... I'd, Caught a wee bit of it, um, but I never had the sound, so I wasn't too sure. So he, he does like a wee tinker at times. I would imagine he, he must have done that for fitness reasons with Ayeti. I, I can't see him dropping Ayeti for anything else other than fitness. Well, there's going to be plenty of games as well because there'll be European action as well to come. I, I just hope he, he, he yeah, gets a settled team between now and. What do you call the Rangers game? Because I think the Rangers game is going to be the big game. And I don't want to be going to play Rangers with a team that we're still kind of messing around with. Um, you know, um, I'd like us to have like a settled team and everybody know what the team is going to be, barring injuries, obviously, or anything like that. Aye, absolutely. Um, so you mentioned Rangers. May as well go on to their game against Dundee United. Um, I was speaking to my boy and we were talking from a, a fantasy f- football point of view. And he was thinking, oh, why Rangers will, will win this easily. And I said, see, after the game against Camarade at Dundee United, Dad, there's no way that Mickey Mellon's going to allow them to go out and, and take a beat. And they'll probably be a bit more compact, a bit harder to beat. OK, Rangers did create plenty of chances, but... And then they, they got the job done, but I, I had a feeling it wasn't going to be a high-scoring game. Yeah. But Dundee United, for me... Are very similar to a lot of teams in the in the Premier League, especially like the bottom side of Premier League teams, in the sense of they look compact in defence, got good hard work in midfield. It's up front, a lot's been placed in Shanklin's shoulders, um, as if he's going to be the saviour. He's going to be like their Alan Shearer to get them out of trouble, um, and I feel that's a wee bit harsh on the lad because uh, he's had a good season in the low league. Um, to come up to the Premier League and be as good as that and his first goal as a lawyer ask. I think he will be good, but I think there's probably a bit of pressure on the lad to be the saviour of Dundee United. Um, I do, I've said for the last couple of weeks, I do worry a wee bit about them um, because they are shipping goals. The only thing you can take out of it is 
against Rangers. I mean, they're not expected to win. The games they need, really need to win, you know, uh, the games of St Mirren, Hamilton, Motherwell, those kind of games where they need to pick up the points um, and try and figure out how to beat those teams. But, yeah, it wasn't a good day in the office, I don't think, for Dundee United. Yeah, I mean, you, I say it wasn't a thumping. It was a repeat of the Kamarnik scoring uh, mm. before now again, but... Rangers, again, are looking impressive going forward. I mean, Ryan Kent, we've mentioned every week on the podcast, it seems like we're just a broken record, uh, but he, he is superb just now. He's almost unplayable. Um, the goal itself, the quick feet in the box, the defender needs to get back into the game. Um, I would say pay in, but no one's paying in just now to watch the football. So, great goal they are. The second goal is probably epitomises what Rangers are all about in terms of their fullbacks and how far they get forward. So you've got mm. Barisic on one side whipping the ball across and who's on the end of it? Tavernier at the back post to score. Um, now, there's, there's a thing about Tavernier. Now, um, obviously, listeners will know I'm not a Rangers fan, but um, he scores a lot of goals and obviously, as someone who doesn't follow Rangers, he, he seems to get like a lot of criticism for Rangers fans. Um, I, I can only presume it's because of his defensive qualities that he may not be too great at, but he... he Chips in with goal, and he seems to be like always in the attack. I, I yeah. don't know, is, is it just he's got think, caught a position or what? I think there is the defensive aspect. Um, though obviously this season things have been tightened up, they've not conceded any goals domestically mm. yet, but it was also kind of been situated. I, I don't know if Rangers fans see him as your, your, your heart beating leader, you know, that type of leader mm. that they've had in the past, like a Richard Goff, a Terry Butcher, or a Barry Ferguson, a guy that is going to shout and ball. He's not that type of leader. Also, as well, there was the time last season where they came out and said that right, I think some of the players were slightly scared of playing for Rangers or something mm. like that, something along those lines. So there's wee things like that. Um, but I, I mean, good players, you say, good going forward, um, chips in the goals and different things like that. And yeah, I mean, this season in particular, you kind of got on over the fact seven games, they've not conceded. That's a record. So no, in terms of at the start of a season, um, seven games without conceding a goal, so I what more can you ask I mean, for just now? I think that the big thing for Rangers will be after Christmas. I mean, if, if you remember this time last year, they started off really well as well. Um, they were really strong. Um, if they come back after the Christmas period and, and they're like this, then it'll be a really good. They'll we'll have a really good ch- championship race, to be honest with you, for the Premier League. Yeah. Um, Roofing off, he'll obviously get goals um, mm. second half as well to kind of seal the win. But they had problems with injuries, so even before the game started, Barlegan was in the team. He had to drop out because um, he got injured in the warm up. Hellander came in. Then they had the situation whereby Ryan Jack went off injured. Um, so Ryan Jack, he's expected to be out for about a month or so. So the talk is he, well, he'll miss, in all likelihood, yeah, he's going to miss the Scotland playoff game and he could. They already announced, I think on Friday, Joe Aribo's out for four to six weeks. So another midfielder. Mm-hmm. They then had the situation whereby I think Barker got a knock, but I think he's going to be all right. Um, and Morelos, there was a Morelos incident, which got talked about a lot in terms of all reckless, really bad tackle and all that type of thing. Uh, it's foot's high, but mm-hmm. he's... It's because he's kicked the ball almost. I mean, it sounds yeah. dark to say, but I don't think there was any malice in it. 
but no, I don't think there was any malice either. That I said, probably in today's football, is probably as a red card. The way things are nowadays in football. Um, I, again, I, I think he's he's went to clear the ball, and and he's as he's cleared, his legs just went up. So it came down and it's kind of caught Morelis right in the thigh. Um, it didn't look like any sort of malice. And also, if you if you if you watch it for the highlights, because like I knew the incident, but I didn't know when the incident happened. So I was kind of watching sports and kind of saying, well, let's see what it was. And I missed it mm-hmm. uh, until they went back. Because I expected it to be quite, you know, like a, a vicious tackle as if he's, he's went in, studs flying. Um, so in that aspect, I, I wouldn't say it's, it's malicious. Um, in today's football, it's probably a red card. But I, I don't think he, he deserves some of the abuse he's getting over it at the minute, saying that he meant to injure Morelos and all this kind of thing. And then Stevie Gerrard said about it afterwards. I don't think that was fair because the lad certainly never meant it. Yeah. You say you're seeing Rangers more of a threat this season? Yeah. I, I, I could they've definitely improved. You can't say that they haven't improved. Um, I think it's all about maintaining what they're doing now. Um this time last year, if I was honest, I, I, I was worried about them. I thought they looked quite good as well to start. Um, and then they collapsed again at Christmas time. So I'm kind of just waiting to see what happens after the, the Christmas period. They, they do look impressive. You, you can't deny that. I mean, they've not conceded any goals. Kent looks a far better player. Um, Kent seems to be not as selfish as what he used to be, in the sense that Kent would sometimes get the ball and start doing a salmon ass in the sense he gets head down and start running. Aye. You know, kind of thing. Whereas now he's getting the ball, he's looking up, looking with players around him, doing one twos, um, getting into good positions. So that's impressive. I mean and that's I think really helped Rangers. Um as I said, Barisic at the back looks good. Then even not having McGregor, um if you'd said to me last season McGregor would be out for as long as he's been out, I'd have said, oh, that doesn't look great for them. Yeah. Um, but the, the laddie who's came in, McLaughlin, seems to be doing fine. So, um, And they're not relying on Morelis either, which is another big thing. Aye, and the, the thing that's helping is, well, obviously there was a situation where by he never played and it was, oh, he was out with the and stuff like that. As long as Rangers keep on winning, Gerard can keep many laws on the bench until comes a time that they might need him to start again which could happen um, Roof's settled in alright I think he's still getting up to match fitness obviously the boy Eaton signed and he's had problems with injuries already and mm. he's trying to find his fitness as well so at the moment think, they're not having to too, depend on Morelos which is good from their yeah. point of view I think it's, it's one of those things it's too early to judge on the strikers because we're only about six, seven games into the season and so once once we're like the halfway stage, we can see where they all are, you know, um, and then you can kind of judge um, where Rangers are as a team and where they are as a strike force and what have you. Um, it will be interesting. Um, I think it's the same with any team that goes on a, a big run for any reason when they lose the first goal to see what the kind of reaction is or if they go a goal behind the game. That's, I think, is probably their next big challenge um, is if they go 1-0 down to somebody. Yeah, and they will face their toughest challenge of the season on Sunday when they play Hibs. 
Mm. So we'll go to Easter Road, Live on Sky. So that's going to be their first real tough test. Um, yeah. Let's see how they cope with that because Hibs are beat them. Well, they bounce back um, to one at the weekend against St Mirren. So. It'll be good. I think the one good plus for Rangers is they've not got the Hibs fans because it's quite a lively atmosphere when Hibs and Rangers play, especially Easter Road. Aye, so, lively's probably putting it miles, Tony. I'll try to be polite there, John. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, th- I think that'll probably be a big benefit of Rangers not having all the Hibs fans uh, in, inside the ground. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it may be a benefit to Hibs as well um, in the sense that if things aren't going their way, maybe they won't get, have people on their back, but I'd probably say it's more of a benefit for Rangers going into that. Aye. Um, so you mentioned earlier about Zlamal probably maybe could have been doing better with a couple of the goals so the, mm. the opener he's maybe a slightly unfortunate I think um, Aye, he's unlucky with that because it's, it's a kind of deflection isn't it if I remember like he's cut in and it's it's kind of the, the boy's hit it and it's hit off some un- defenders he's kind of slid in and it's kind of underneath the goalkeeper. Aye, it, 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 it bounces off Nesbitt. Like, Nesbitt doesn't know much uh, about it and gets a goal. It's one of those ones. He's, it's not like we are telling his grandkids about. Um, but I, So, with that, but yeah, probably the, the last one, the the Boyle, the Boyle goal, where Neil crosses it. Zamal comes to try and deal with it, doesn't deal with it at all, and it's a simple header for Boyle at the back post. So. Well, you see a header. Well, shoulder, uh, maybe shoulder. Yeah, right. um, yeah, he, he's just kind of lost all his bearings in that one because if you watch it, he jumps up about halfway across the goal. So he's not even waited to jump till he's like near the far end, far post. So he started to jump up about halfway and he's kind of then hopped. And yeah, he's, he's just got everything wrong um, with regards to the flight of the ball, who's behind him. All that kind of thing. Um, and again, I, I think that's just the lack of preparation and time and working with our defence. they got yeah. getting used to the, the stadium, even. Aye. No, I mean, Hibs looked impressive, but yeah, they, they, weren't, they were helped a wee bit in terms of the situation at St. The other goal, uh, John Yule, nice move, and then he finishes uh-huh. off with a nice pass into the net. So. Aye, they're going well. I think it's Hibs' best start in over 20 years, or something like that, yeah. in the top flight. So, as we say, big big game on Sunday, which will be interesting to see the outcome. From a selfish point of view, I think I'd like maybe a, a draw there. Mm. I think, from an Aberdeen's point of view, in terms of things. But I will see. I think for Hibs, it depends what Hibs want to be this season. Do they just want to be a top six and be happy with it? Or do they want to be pushing for a European place? Um, if they want to be pushing for a European place, they need to beat either Celtic or Angels once, maybe twice, and have a good wee run, and obviously get results against the likes of yourselves, Aberdeen. Um, if they're happy just to be a top six, then then they shouldn't worry about games against Celtic Rangers and maybe try and get the odd one against Aberdeen. But, I think with a squad that are equipped certainly for competing for a European sport I mean I, I do think the top four is, that are hard is going to be Celtic Rangers, Aberdeen and the Hibs um, from what I've seen so far this season I don't see that changing at all, I think they will be alright, I think Hibs have improved with a squad they look more, a bit more solid they've got a decent strike partnership when they go there with Doidge and Nesbitt 
Um, Boyle's always a player I like. He's got pace. He runs at people. Defenders hate mm. that. Um, he's he's doing well um, in that aspect. Obviously, they've had the emergence of the boy Doig at left back, which has done well. I'm sure and, I heard today McGinn um, for Simon signed for them. Oh, he's been there a while. No, 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 the other McGinn. Oh, has he? Yeah, I'm sure I heard in um, thing me today that they've confirmed that that's all the McGinns. There's three McGinns. Um, BBC Scotland said this. Uh, I've now, now played for Hibs. It's what I'm trying to remember. It's Paul that's there. I think. And then the other one is Stephen McGinn, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Stephen, that's the one. I'm sure they, they said that he signed for Hibs. Yeah. Um, he just signed today. Uh, I'm just checking myself now. Because uh, um, we're talking about it um, on Sports when I was listening to the game um, just before I came on. Mind you, they're still seeing his with Simmerin at the minute. Um, but yeah, there was they definitely said that because they were they were talking about because they said that that was all the McGinns that now um, have signed perhaps at one time or another. Oh, Stephen Thompson they said that. Right, I interesting. Aye, so I'm not getting the blame on this one. They have <laughs> strong. Aye, there they oh, have yeah. announced the Burnley have signed free agent Stephen McGinn on a deal to the end of the season. I had missed that one. I you know what? For a moment there, I thought I'd made it all up. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd done in football manager or something. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well, uh, another player in there. I still think they could maybe do another couple of numbers in there. Um, maybe in midfield still they could do another and possibly a centre-back. I think if there was to be a, mm. an injury to Porteous or Hanlon, um, they would be a bit, a bit short at centre-back. So, I would think Jack Ross will want to get a couple of players still in. Um, and that'll probably be helped by once things settle down south and clubs mm. deciding what their squads are, no doubt maybe kind of one or two lone players come in from there or even maybe further afield. Um, so we'll see what happens. I, I think that's definitely affected some teams up here because, as you said, normally by now, um, the championship in the first division of England kind of know who they want in their squads and who they get send out and loan. But because obviously the championship I think's definitely started back up last week. Um, I don't know about the first and second divisions. Are they up and running down in England, down here? You, you live there. You should have more, you should have more knowledge than me about that. Um, oh, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bridge too far there. You know I mean? A bridge too far. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I can't think. Obviously, yeah. I, I noticed the Carabao Cup or whatever they call it. It was getting oh, yeah, played. That's, that's I watched a wee bit of the the tail end of the Button Albion Aston Villa game last night. Um, but, no, they all started at the weekend. Have they all started? Aye, sure. They did. Um, but I will move on. So, we're, mm. at the moment, I'm doing it fairly. That's quite fairly. I'm moving just really down the legs down the league in position. So Aberdeen, mm. my own team, uh, home against Kilmarnock, normally a game that we do all in, um, especially at Rugby Park, but this one was at Bedaudry. So, more positives to take. Um, after the initial game against Rangers, whereby we, we just didn't look at the races at all. Since then, we've been we've been really good. Six games we've played this year, we've only conceded two goals, which is good. I was going to say, clean sheets, um, made up of that. And that, you know what that's like in terms of when you get clean sheets, it breeds confidence, a bit like a striker mm. scoring goals. 
the more clean sheets you keep, it becomes a habit um, with that. And we're definitely held by the fact that Tommy Holman been in there. Tommy Holman, when he's fit, going to play one of the best centre-backs in the league. McKenna's working. Watford. So we had him before on loan mm. um, when he got a really bad injury and we offered to help him with rehabilitation in terms of training with us and different things like that. And yeah, we've got him in a deal just now. So really good player. Um, Scott McKenna's starting to look somewhat back to his best. Mm. He's winning every challenge in the air. He's he's looking like that dominant centre-half that they got me Scotland call-up and was getting tipped for moves down south for big money. So good signs there. And then you've got Andy Considine as well, who's Mr. Reliable. We're, we're still persisting with this for me. Well, I say we're persisting with this formation in terms of three at the back, but we're really flexible in terms of how the way, way we can play. We slotted off with three at the back. Um, Again, is it a three or is it a three or do you go to like a five? Well, like a kind of five. Potentially, when you're defending, it can go can go to a five. But the guys are playing as wing backs or wingers. I mean, Matty Kennedy mm. and John Hayes are both wingers by trade. Um, but throughout the game, we kind of changed and it would evolve into like four at the back and different things like that. So it's a very fluid system. It's probably managers will always say it. They don't like to talk about formations and stuff like that because I think now in in football. <laughs> I, there's obviously shape and all that type of thing, but teams are more flexible in the way that they play. Mm. Like you don't get your traditional, even at some clubs, your traditional centre-forward. Um, no. It's your wingers that are more influential. Or, I was reading something earlier, the, the modern fullback. If anything, that's the, the new attacking threat, is your, mm. your fullbacks. You look at Liverpool down south and Robertson and uh, Alexander-Arnold in terms of the amount of chances they create. It's unbelievable. Um I, they don't defend full-backs anymore. Um, oh. it's, it's all about the attacking play. I mean, you, you think back to like full-backs that you said at Aberdeen, like David Robertson, now you could attack, but he was good at defending. Stuart yeah. McKimmy, there's another one that was, a, to me, mm-hmm. is a classic full-back. But in today's game, he probably wouldn't get picked because Aye. he's not, not as attacking-minded as what he should be. And I, think, I think a lot of clubs maybe have, like... They've got a, a young talent, maybe it's a wide player, a winger or something like that, or maybe kind of trying out at fullback because they've got that, that extra ability. I mean, you look at Celtic just now, Frimpon, I think, mm. is a fullback that basically is a winger. Mm. He's, he's got a lot of tricks of a winger and all that type of thing. Defensively, his game needs to improve. I don't think he's bad defensively, but I think over time and experience, it's something to improve on. Um, but again, on Saturday, um, I watched the game pay view. Come on, like we're all right at the start. I would say there was a wee bit of kind of turning and throwing. Um, early on, both teams were trying to kind of maybe suck each other out and different things like that. And I've spoken about it before in the podcast this season. Kilmarnock are certainly trying to play a bit more of a, a more attractive style of football, trying to keep possession a bit better and different things like that. Um, they were playing two up front. But generally, I would say we coped with them pretty well. Um, Do you think he's playing a better style of football because you don't have the big target man Cosgrove at the minute. We are definitely, yeah. I mean, not that I'm saying the Cosgrove is bad, but I'm saying that in the sense of sometimes, and, and I know we, we've done it before that it's um, you've got a big tall striker. It's just so easy just to, when things are bad to lump it up to him. Aye, I mean, there's, there's a few things that have certainly changed in the last few weeks. So we've got a situation whereby I mean McCrory again, man of the match. I mean, it's mm. he's winning the ball whether it's tackling, interception, intercepting, but along with that as well is he's dribbling with the ball, he's moving forward to the ball, he's, I think I read a start like he was highest for the most dribbles for us as well in the game, and then obviously he scores a, 
superb goal as well. Um, he makes a great run right into the box. Scott Wright looks up, picks him out, and then McCrory kind of curls it into the net. So he that's helping. The boy right. Yeah. I mean, he, he missed that chance when he was like through, but the pace, he, he had a bit of pace on him to get through. He's, he's always threatened to, to break through properly. He's been one that's been unfortunate with injuries. Mm. I think as well, he's, maybe his body hasn't been quite developed in terms of maybe he needs to develop more in terms of the COVID, the physical side of things. He's had, as I say, prone to injuries. He's now getting a wee run of games. He's certainly someone that confidence he's a confidence type player I mean, he's, your, he's your traditional winger but now he's actually playing almost as a, a kind of 10 of sorts mm. McInnes is talking him up as well he said about how he's a kind of key player just now and different things like that possibly were helped out as well by the fact that he's out of contract at the end of the season as well so he's mm. got to do, like, kind of do everything he can to get a new contract um, what age is he? 23 so he's at a good age Um and is he is he a natural striker or is well, it something that they put up there? He's what he's a winger. Uh, oh, so he's right, 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 but certainly McInnes prefers him as a ten. Hmm. He's effective as a ten because he can go both ways. He can go down the down the channels. He can come inside. He can run at players. A bit like Pollock when we had Pollock. Hmm. He's a bit like that. And Pollock, it took a while for Pollock to get going and develop. Um, so I think Wright's the same. But alongside that the relationship him and Hedges have got. The two of them are interacting. We won twos in and around the box. Just nice, fluid. And then as you're saying about Kozlov, to go back to your initial point, <laughs> you know, we've got Watkins in who's not a striker by trade. He's a he's a wide player or a ten as well. So he's almost playing like your kind of false nine thing. Mm. You've got, you know, how it's no actual a striker, so he likes to run the channels, he likes to link up play, nice wee touches and different things like that. So it's just, there's more more options, more movement. Would see the boy that played against Rangers up, up front by himself, was No. Um, that? that was Anderson, the young boy Anderson. Because um, I, I was going to say, because that's the only game I've, from being honest, I've seen at Aberdeen. Um, I feel really sorry for the lad because from that game, obviously, from the highlights that I've seen since, um, there was like a huge gap between midfield and attack. Yes. Obviously, since then, I, I presume, um, he's obviously sorted that out. He's again more balls in, and he's been a wee bit closer. And there's not that long ball that was happening because that, that's why he was so bad against Rangers because he was up there by himself and he was getting no support. Uh, but obviously, yeah. he's a scoring now and he's looked like scoring. He's getting chances, so he yeah. must be doing something right. I keeping clean sheets, but not maybe. Um thrashing teams and then like that but there's you can see that momentum. the more we go down the line there's momentum high exactly and it doesn't matter if you win every game 1-0 one one's a win mm. um, so it's good going into the European game tomorrow night against Viking which is going to be a tough task as Viking in the last five games they're undefeated mm. so are they 8th in their league? I think 7th or 8th certainly um, but by all accounts they're, an attack, they're quite an expansive team which I think will, mm-hmm. that'll maybe suit us playing them because um, I think in terms of we maybe kind of not sitting as such but if they come at us I think we'll pick them off especially with the way that Hedges and Watkins and um, Wright are, are linking up together so I, I think I'd like to think we'll be okay and then we've got the carrot of a, a tie against Sporting Lisbon to, 
to come. I, and I read earlier in the week they've got seven players that's probably tested positive for, for COVID. So, Spawn, Spawn Lisbon are always about the last, I think I said this last time, in the last three, four years, they have just kind of went through just crazy stuff. Um, you, you never really know what you get with Spawn in Lisbon. And that's, that's the truth of the matter. Yeah. Um, what were the game against Viking? Um, I think it's one of those games that can go either way. It, it really can. I don't, I don't think there's a clear favourite, uh, and I don't think you can say definitely or oh, Aberdeen will win or Aberdeen will lose. It's just one of these games that well, whoever plays well in the night. I definitely really. agree. Yeah, and obviously as well, we've no got the advantage of uh, going back to Pitodry for a second leg. Mm-hmm. It's it's on the night that it will be decided, and you wonder as well in terms of these kind of situations where your restrictions in terms of travel and different things like that, and it'll play a part in your build up, your preparation, and different things like that. It hopefully shouldn't. Um, bye. But I'll be watching the game. It's on pay per view as well, so I'll watch it. And fingers crossed. Am I right in saying that the UEFA thing at the minute is when they go over, the, the team has to come straight back after I the game? I believe so. Like yeah, that? we've yeah. had to, uh, it's a chartered plane and all that type of thing. And mm. they, they, yesterday, pretty sure it was yesterday they went because uh, I've seen a few pictures on the players posting views from the hotel and different things like that. So yeah. It's not, it's not a plastic pitch, is it? Is, is, uh, is it grass pitch? It's a plastic pitch. It's a plastic. But um, we've got, well, Kamarnik, plastic pitch we do all right on, because we've no loss there for mm. 20-odd games. Hamilton, we're about hit and miss. Livingston, we were one of the only teams to win it, Livingston last season. Mm. Um, so, I, I just think plastic pitches, and I know a lot of people say, oh, typical Celtic Rangers fan, but pl- plastic pitches for me can bring teams right down to like an even play field and I'll tell you why another example not a, a football related one um, but um, I watched them um, win this Vikings down here um, the rugby league and they used to be in the Super League and I think it was about five years ago um, they were always like bottom two um, they went to a plastic pitch and you seen teams coming and they just couldn't adapt to it yeah. The big teams, you know, like you wouldn't think so much with it being rugby league, but a lot of teams really panicked about it. Um, and sometimes I think with football, and especially with away teams and teams that don't play on plastic often, I do think there is a mindset of, oh no, it's a plastic pitch. I, I, I genuinely do believe that, and, and that's something that happens straight away with players. They don't like it, yeah. especially if it's raining or if it's wet. Um, they're worried about getting injuries on their ankles, um, strapping their knees. It's interesting because um, most of them train on plastic pitches all week. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's <laughs> weird. That's the thing, yeah. I mean, I think players do the training and they think nothing of it. And yeah, when it comes to the actual game, I think that there's this worry. Uh, and I've seen it so many times. Like, I don't, you, you'll notice that with crosses, as crosses, I always notice that they don't seem to get under the ball. It's, it's either really high up or it's direct on the ground. There's not those floated ones you seem yeah. to get in grass. But it works for both. It can work for both teams. It all depends who plays well on the day and who can adapt to it, basically. Yeah, um, moves us nicely on to Livingston, who obviously playing the plastic pitch. Well, last year, as I say, they had a terrific record. I think it was only Aberdeen and 
So I think Krells. I think they only lost two games at home last season, the whole of last season. Whereas this season already, they've lost two at home. Yeah. Um, so they had the game against Hamilton on Saturday, part um, mm. of the, the plastic pitches. And yeah, Hamilton is enjoying life in the road because they won obviously the Lanarkshire Derby as well, the week Mother Bell. So Hamilton do what they do. They pick yeah. up these wins now and again that maybe people aren't expecting them to. Um, I think you I mentioned. Want- Last I week about the, Templeton, didn't you? Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I'd said about T- Templeton being like the, their main man, the man. They done. They're Lauren Shanklin, basically. Everything kind of re- revolves around him to try and get the goals to get them out of a sticky situation. Um, I, I was amazed because, like, I watched the highlights, and up until they scored, Livingston looked quite dominant uh, throughout the game. They looked all right. They looked quite comfortable. And then Hamilton scored, and then, yeah, the, Livingston, I think, just seemed to lose a wee bit of confidence um, in their own belief. Uh, and Hamilton got a good winner. Uh, I think we, was it the last minute they scored or something like that, with three minutes to go or something like that? It was pretty but, light on, yeah. The young yeah. boy um, making his first start in role, I think. Yeah, I after the game and he was talking about how he scored and then he didn't he wasn't quite sure what to do. Um, <laughs> one of those, but I five minutes ago he scored so and it was a free kick from Templeton as well that set it up. Mm. And it was just pure desire. The boy in Monroe wanted it more. I think it was Sybil that was maybe marking him. Um and yeah, good win for Hamilton. Takes him into ninth place as I say a couple of wins they've had. Livingston are, are struggling a wee bit so far this season. Mm. It's just you not know- it's not clicking for them. Yeah, I was going to say, do you not think it's going, basically it's going to be this season whatever team can not go on a long run of defeats? I think it... I don't know. I just think for, that... For relegation, I should I say. I think most of these teams can just pick up wins against each other. I don't think there's enough consistency down there. A lot of teams, maybe down the lower half of the league as well, don't have that striker that can guarantee you... Mm. Uh, 15, 20 goals. I mean, you look at Hamilton, there's anybody there you would say is going to get you no. double figures even maybe at Livingston just now because Dykes is obviously away. Is there anyone there at the moment going to get you double figures? I mean, strikers are... It's tough to get one in that's going to get you those goals, but especially at the budget these teams are operating at. You look at Ross County, Bella Mackay's maybe capable of it. Um I think Billy McKay is the same player. No, to be honest I don't, with you. I don't either. Uh, um, no, I mean, he was, do you know, I don't. When he went to Dundee United, for whatever reason, it's kind of. I don't know. He's, he's, he's never looked like the player he was previously. Yeah. Um, after Dundee United. Um, I don't know if it's a confidence thing or what have you. You've but, mentioned um, Dundee United with Shankland, obviously. We've yet to know whether he's yeah. caught at this level. To be fair to the boy, though, he has been injured. Mm, exactly. Season, so time will tell there. Motherwell struggling for goals in terms of some of their strikers just now. However, they did pick up their first win of the season. Um, an important win on on Saturday about Campbell, who I think we read about most weeks as well. Right, good player. Um, yeah, I mean to be fair, I never heard him until you boys had started talking about him. Um, I'd, I'd never really known about the, the lad. Um, and then obviously his name popped up and he scored against Lithuania and he, and he scored again. Um, the weekend there, um, and he looks a right good prospect. He's probably um, one of those guys because he, he's probably not the type of player you're going to notice in highlights so much. 
I think he's, he's more type of player you're going to notice in a full game because of the work rate he puts in. But he's adding goals to his game. He's he's dynamic. He's really good along with McCrory and Ferguson. I mean, he's he's one of the best young fielders and uh, young midfielders in Scotland. And potentially, I think even some Celtic fans said would that maybe been a better option to sign him as opposed to Turnbull because of the Scott Brown situation? Because you wonder how long mm. Scott Brown can go on for. Yeah, um, I mean. Uh, I, I I just think that um, I think they've, they've bought Tumble because of the situation that's happened previously um, with the lad. Um, I, I just hope for his sake that he, he isn't bought and then he's just forgotten about. You, you know, he's like one of those ones that, and sadly we've done it before. Where we buy a player because he's been good and he doesn't he doesn't get a game for us. You know, he's always on the bench because our midfield is quite full as it is at the minute. Definitely, then, yeah. Yeah, and then you've got the likes of Sorrow to come in, McConnell um, as well. Um, Roderick's just still there because Roderick's has Aye, Roderick. Um, yeah. I think probably he will be, he'll be, but I think you that Turnbull maybe kind of find it tough to get an eye Christie. However, the amount of games that Celtic play, he'll probably yeah. still get a lot of games. I'm surprised we never loaned him back out to Motherwell for the rest of the season. Done something like that and said, listen, you play for Motherwell for the rest of the year and then we'll bring you back like we done with Christie. We sent him out to Aberdeen um, to get development and probably the best thing that happened to Christie because Christie never went to Aberdeen. I don't think Christie would have been a Celtic now. Yeah, I suppose the thing as well though with Turnbull is he's back, he's not long back from a long term injury, so whether maybe Celtic are wanting to kind of just look after themselves in terms of a medical team and different things like that and, and manage them and not be playing kind of too much in the moment so see what happens um, um, but come back to mother we've heard a couple of things in the radio uh, and television about this second season syndrome mother will have uh, where they have a really good season and then the next season they they kind of fall apart a little bit um, and I was looking at their squad today and I was thinking god they've got, they've got a decent squad you know what I mean it's just whatever's happened it's just not happening for them this year they have um, I've kind of mentioned before that last season was probably the first season under Robinson that they were actually really good in the league and finished mm. top six I think I think prior to that they hadn't under Robinson they'd, they'd done well in the Cups they got to the two Cup Finals mm. remember the season they got to the two yeah. Cup Finals was, was that McCall that done that Stuart McCall or was that after was Robinson. Robinson was that Robinson yeah um, so I, 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 I think just Motherwell had a good season last season this season it's just not working out as well for them. Mm. Uh, whether maybe teams have learned how to play them and they've not maybe adapted their system or changed their style and teams are savvy to what they're doing. Um, I don't know. It's early days, so I, I think Motherwell will be all right. I think they've got enough good players there that they'll move up the league. And I would I would still expect Motherwell be in the top six or pushing for it um, mm. this season. Uh, I, I tell you, I, is it this season or maybe this season or last season? Um, but I think they've missed someone in that midfield like Scott Leach. You know, when Leach used to play for them? Right, yeah. Um, and he used to, like, stuck in about it, and he was... He, he wasn't the best football in the world, but he, he, he got the tackles in, and he got them up the park, and he was, like, you know, the, the, the captain, the leader. And, yeah, I, I don't know. Just They seem a wee bit leaderless. I mean, you look at... The, you've got young Tony Watt. Now, Tony Watt, on paper, looks like a good signing. 
but he's kind of floated around and never really stayed anywhere long enough to be like considered a good striker. I think he's still living off his name for that Barcelona game, if I'm being honest. You say young Tony Watt. Young Tony Watt is now is 26. Is he? Aye, he's, he's not so young anymore. Yeah, that's the thing. I think he's still living off that, because I can't think where he's been to that you could say, oh, he done really, really well there. No, um, I think Motherwell's maybe the club he's been in the longest uh, for, a, for a good while, but... Mm. <laughs> The other, on the other flip side, St. Johnson, um, I think they've started all right under Davidson. Yeah. I think they're, they're doing okay. And did they, did they create many chances in this game? I don't think they created many chances. Um, May had a good chance. Um, they hit a wide. And then I think they had one in the first half where O'Halloran's got her. And I think what he should have done was cut it back. Like, I think it was a mistake for the Motherwell defender. And the big set half, he's kind of lost it. He, he's done a back pass to the keeper, and Haaland's kind of get in in between them. And he's hit a shot, and it's just kind of went past the post. Whereas I think if he'd cut it back, um, I think there's the, the, a Hendry that's a striker. Yes. Um, it was there to tap it in. Um, they, they, they looked all right. I mean, I, I touched St. Johnston to be in the top six this year. And to be honest with you, I still kind of stick by that. I think they're good enough to be in the top six. I don't think any worse than anyone else to be honest with you and aye. No, I, would agree with you. Aye, I would agree with you I think they've got guys in the team that can score goals the likes of me, the likes of Halloran um, mm. the likes of Hendry so I think they have got that in their team um, and, and, and that, that young lad Magnamaro looks alright he does, yep uh, he, he's he, won he looks promising every week again we speak about him, he mm. looks good composed, he was the one that played the ball in behind for May's chance oh, see I mean they look alright, it's just I think what we're going to see this, and that's what I was saying about it, it's whoever doesn't go on a long run on defeat, sorry, a wrong, a long run of losing games, because I think as you said, you're going to end up with teams beating each other week in week out. There's going to be no consistency, and I think if if one team starts to go on a losing spell, then I think that might be the team that might go down. But all the rest, the top six, I think is open to, to any of them. I remember I read a start somewhere earlier and they were saying that their season is looking like the lowest score the lowest scoring season on average for in history so far. Um I think it was the SPL starts maybe. It's probably a lot of, there's a lot of things I think you need to consider with those kind of things. You know, I mean I know we'll give those stats and people like the likes of Gary Breen, for example, are quick to badmouth our game, but for this season you need to take into consideration the whole COVID thing. So trying to get players from overseas to come here, as hard as it is without COVID, you know. Um, you've, you've also got, as we touched on earlier, the issue with the championship in the lower leagues in England not starting to quite late. So not getting players up or in in time. And then also the league itself being unsure and... Regards to games going ahead, games being called off, no fans. So there's, there's a lot of factors to take into that. I think it'll probably take a while because it doesn't feel like a 10 in a row season to me, being a Celtic fan. I, I, I don't know what it's like with you being an Aberdeen fan at the beginning of the season. It just feels like a continuation of last year. I, I think um, towards the end of last season when there was uncertainty about whether the season would return and the likes of the Scottish Cup would get played to a finale, you were thinking it's been 
since 1990 that Aberdeen won the Scottish Cup. Mm. Much as you'd be delighted if we had, if it had been played to finish last year and Aberdeen had won it, it wouldn't have felt at all. Yeah. Like a, I, it wouldn't have felt normal or anything like that if he'd won it. You, it doesn't feel the same if the fans can't celebrate it properly. And again, this season, if fans don't get back to games on a regular basis and you win, aye, you'll be pleased, but you'll not feel as, as part of as much part of it. I agree. I mean, I and I'll, I'll argue with anybody about the, about us getting the championship. Um, you know what I mean? Us getting the title. I'll argue with anybody. But in the same sense, it's probably the one championship in my lifetime where I've been less excited about getting mm-hmm. because we never had that big day at Celtic Park. There wasn't the usual, you know, thing where you're kind of winning it, having the game where you win the league. The trophy presentation, yeah. um, even the start of this season, having flag day, and yeah, but we've got and it's great, and I'm made up that we've won it. It's still, and for, for a bit to be nine in a row in my lifetime, and not to be there, it's it's, it's just a sign. And you, you you would know that yourself. Say for example, I'm put Aberdeen in a great run this year, and they, they won the league. Say Aberdeen won the league, and you're not there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? It's I know. it's a sickness because like you're made up, you're delighted that your team's the champions, but in the same side, you don't feel part of it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, we mentioned earlier there was a two test event which both uh, went really well. I think the teams were praised for what they done. Yeah, but uh, we're going back now to no fans. Told, there's yeah. no test events maybe for a while, so. Well, We'll see. We can keep hoping. Uh, I think so. the one thing, though, that is looking like a distinct possibility is the fact there'll be no away fans in grounds mm. this year. I don't know. It's we're only talking. We're only at September just now, so let's hope be positive that something can return back to kind of some kind of normality, even if it's half full stadiums or, mm. or whatever. Well, I, I I would have thought away fans would have been easier to. Regulated than home fans. I think it's more and, the travel situation. But even the home fans, me? even the home fans as such, you think a Celtic. Aye. They put folk coming over from Ireland and different things mm. like that. Um, if you look at it like Aberdeen, obviously I'm a West Coast based fan. There's a lot of fans in the Central mm. Belt. It's got Aberdeen, so it's not just folk in the area. Aberdeen that support Aberdeen. It's not just the folk in Glasgow that support Celtic, etc., etc. Mm. All these teams are. It's just a mess at the minute. Sadly, that does. I don't like criticising SFA and SPFA all the time because I always think that's an easy way out of stuff. But you just wish there was a, a wee bit of leadership as to some sort of game plan, as to how they, they see things panning out, you know. And that, I think that's all fans really want is a wee bit of an idea. At the minute, I mean, nobody knows what's happening at the minute. No, nobody knows. What's going on for this season? Um, it's it's just basically a week by week, and I think that probably is another thing with this season, because you don't know if the season's going to finish. You know, people are Aye. like, yeah, there's games on, great, but in the back of your head, you're thinking, are we have another scenario like we had at the end of last year? Yeah, we obviously spoke a couple of weeks ago about the fact you like your rugby league down south. Hmm. They have they had any test eventually? Um, well, it's weird to I say that. So, has, I know rugby unions had test events both here well, and I think the, down south. There's a French team um, in the Super League, um, and over in France, they're allowed to have 
fans of the game. So um, Catalans played Wigan um, in the weekend, and they had fans. I think it was five and a half thousand fans in their game. Um, so I think there's, there's pressure uh, for the rugby league to try and get fans into the grounds. Um, yeah. That's basically why the lower leagues, like the Championship in Division One, uh, and also the Challenge Cup, have been shortened. Um, because of the fact that there's no fans and similar to lower league football, they, they kind of rely in match day money. It's not yeah. about sponsorship. Um, but what, what they've done in rugby league, um, th- th- they've done something different. Um, so how it works is because they're scared as well that their schedules aren't going to be finished. Yeah. Um, so what they're doing is they're doing a percentage instead of points. Right. So what happens is um, you the minimum games you have to play is 15. And say you win 10 of those games, well, you get whatever percentage of that is of the 15. Yep, yep, so, okay. So then they work it out that way. Yeah. So potentially if you win every game, 100%, so you'll be top. Yeah. Um, if you, next, say you win 9 or 10 games, you've got a percentage. So mm-hmm. the, the top... Five highest percentages will then go into the playoffs as far as no six, sorry. Aye, aye. Highest yep. percentages. Um, which I thought was quite a good way of doing it, actually, yeah. because then you're giving everybody a chance. And then if something happens, you can say, well, this is a cut off and this is how it's worked out and this is why you're top of the league. Makes sense, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I've spoken as well about how the fact I like watching the Aussie rules. And mm. the, what the Aussie rules do is they have a points system. But they also have percentages as well, and that's based on like points that they score and different things like that, and points they can see. So, say for example, there was a tie, mm. it would go in the percentage as opposed to like goal difference, for example. But effectively, it probably is goal difference as such. So, all ah, right, okay. So, uh, but it just it just makes it more easier. Ah, I mean, because I, I think for you know how Scottish football is and the way things are, um, up up in Scotland, you know, regards to oh, you've not played this amount of games, you've not played that amount of games. I think a percentage. Is maybe something Scottish football should have looked at, you know, going Aye. forward. Um, again, doing the same thing where you have to have a minimum amount of games to be played um, and then going by it. Um, so it is something um, that I thought was really quite interesting um, and a good way of doing it. Um, but also another thing that they're doing down here is um, the Rugby League is um, games are getting played in neutral grounds. So say, oh, for example... Okay. Warrington are playing Hull KR. So instead of it being a Warrington's ground, it'll be played, say, Helens, for right. example. Okay, like so no one's um, home advantage yeah. as such, even. Yeah, that, and I think it's also another way of kind of keeping the the, the COVID apparently or something like that, by keeping them all in one area. I, I'm not 100% sure. Oh, like a bubble? Kind of yeah, thing. so they kind of keep them in that, that bit. So I'm I may be wrong, but I'm sure they have like two games in the one stadium. Mm. So, so but that game would be the first game, yeah. and then it could be Leeds versus Catalans as the next game. Aye, well, that's, aye. that's what they've been doing in the Aussie League. Like, um, Melbourne basically it went into lockdown, so like most of the games have mm. been played in the likes of Queensland and things like that. And teams have been staying in bubbles and hotels and all staying together. And then maybe it's going to like West Australia and different things like that, or that, South Australia. So, uh, they've been quite good at thinking on their feet anyway, but uh, we'll move on because uh, we're probably getting fed up talking about COVID and everyone's probably getting Aye. a bit into it. But, um, couple of things that we noticed from this week. 
there was a signing of Charlie Adam going to his mm-hmm. boyhood club Dundee. Seems a good move. Um, yeah, I think I don't know about you, but when I first read, I quite came out the blue because I would have thought I went to a Championship club down in England or like yeah. a First Division club. Um, I I think it will work out well for them. Um, it's just one of those weird ones. You just hope that it works out. And it's not like another Anthony Stokes, you know. What I mean, where he's signed and he doesn't say, he doesn't play a game. You know what even, I mean? I would never even mentioned that when we were talking about Livingston as well. Aye, that's a yeah. crazy situation, isn't it? Aye, you know what I mean. And, but that seems to happen. I mean, there was there was that one as well. Um, I don't if you remember Ian Hart, and he was supposed to sign for Simon, and he got all he signed for Simon, and he got Gold all the way back. Aye, he got all Aye. the way up. He got all the way up to I think it was um, the M8, and then thought, no, nah, I don't like it here, and turned back and cancelled mm. his contract. So I always worry when you've got a big established player in Scottish football terms saying he's going to join a lower league team. Um, I just hope it works out well for them, and it definitely goes the way Dundee fans want it to go. I suppose the thing is, to be fair to Charlie Adam, no, he was born in Dundee, mm. so he is a Dundee lad. Um, so he knows what Dundee's you know like. He's not going to be in for a culture shock or anything like that. And I, I like Dundee. Uh, my mate stays in Dundee, and I remember when he first moved, it wasn't up to as much as the likes I've been privileged to grow up in Glasgow and the right life and everything like that. Whereas nowadays, Dundee's a, a fabulous place. Yeah, I really like it. be interesting to see... I think there was some talk that um, they'd caught, like... Office staff and different things like that. I'd and heard this. I had to be clever yeah. in terms of how they finance it. So whether it's maybe we'd finance, but like a almost like a sponsor or such. You know what I mean? Mm. I mean Someone's maybe helped helping out with the wages and stuff like that. Um, I can only I can only this. imagine that is the case. To yeah. be honest with you, it's not just here that's happening. That happened at Arsenal. I think mm. Arsenal like oh I like staff and different things like that. And then that's then you know they're spending twenty odd million on defender and stuff like that, which mm. sticks in the throat of. Your normal people like you and me, but as we all know, football is a very different business, unfortunately, mm. um, when it comes to that. But aye, uh, good luck to him, um, Charlie Adam. There, he's 34. He, he's one of those guys you just think looks older because yeah. he's always had that kind of old face. Ah, uh, he looked old when he was a Rangers. With that, and the other interesting thing that I've seen this week, we were talking about it a bit before the, the podcast tonight, was. The announcement that Partick Thistle women are going to be managed by two of the Partick Thistle players. So you're going to have Brian Graham as a manager and then Ricky Foster as assistant. So interesting um, to see um, what happens there. I've, I did actually for a couple of seasons watch Partick, well, not watch, just keep an eye on Partick Thistle ladies because um, one of my mates used to play for them. My mate's wife, um, Becky Bisland, right. used to play with Partick Thistle women's team. Um, and I mean, she, when she was there, they, they were a good wee team. Like they were, they just seemed to always just miss out. Uh, uh, I don't know. Are they, are they up now to the Premier League, or are they still in the first division? Because uh, we're in the I first would division. Have to, I would have to check. I think the top flight in the women is only got eight teams from right and saying. And then, Christ. and then you've got like the Championship. I think's eight as well. So, I would have to be honest with you. I would have to kind of check and see, but. Was it Brian I, Graham I mean, came out and said that he kind of, kind of took an interest when he was watching the Scotland women's team and how well they were doing and obviously women's football's on the up and such a big mm. there's a big upward curve 
you would say for women's football to develop and get better and get more, um, I'm not going to say professional, but get more, more of a professional, maybe off the pitch. Mm. Is when you the players and everything like that, and they're they're giving their all. They're a bit like maybe the the non leagues and stuff like that. There's definitely, know. definitely. I'm sorry, quite up. Definitely more of a prominence with them now, with women's football. Um, if you went back ten years ago, you'd never have heard really of any women's football. But now, obviously, you've, you've got ex women footballers on BBC sports yep. scene. Um, you see Julie Fleeton on quite a bit. She played um, in the soccer. Aid. As well. Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, nice. actually, yeah, I've seen a wee bit of um, The girl that used to be the goalkeeper, she's quite good. Um, Lee Alexander? No, no, the other one. Gemma Faye, yeah, she, she's really good. She's a good pundit. Like. Um, the only thing I would say is um, it's great that they've got managers set in. I think it'd be nice if they could give women managers. I think that's going to be the next thing, try and get more women managers um, into the game. Yeah, um, and then that, then obviously, um, you, you can start taking it from there. Um, but good luck to them. Hope they do well and hope they get promoted if they're still in the first division. Aye, no, I that's something we've kind of touched on before. It's interesting that you've got so many male managers in the female game, but yeah, mm. there's no female managers really in the men's game. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, there'll be a shift and there'll be a change with that um, in the future. It'd be kind of good to see. But yeah, I know that, aye, it's interesting. I know, I, I, Go for I know that, again a wee bit more exposure I think the women's game yeah and I know down here like um, Phil Neville's gone and they've brought in the former Holland manager yes. she's in charge um, yep. and she took them to I want to say Euro 2016 or 17 women's Euro championships and won it with them um, so there's something about experience that probably England need as opposed to going with somebody with a name because um, I think it just the last seven or eight games with Phil Neville, I think, were a bit of a disaster, to be honest with you. Um, but that should obviously promote the game well for England and obviously help them a wee bit more with tactic wise, because I think Phil Neville may have been tactically astounded at the women's game in the sense that he probably wasn't as well equipped as what he thought he was for the women's game, because the women's game is totally different to, to the men's game. Um, there's a different pace to it. There's a there's a different way to attack, different way to defence. So I think she'll probably do well with England. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Partick will get on. But I right, good luck to them. So Partick Thistle are in the SWPL two. Oh two. Aye. Uh, so is it, is it is a Division One, Division Two, as a Prem One Two? Aye, you've got aye, you've got one in, so I think they're, yeah, one and two, but I think it's almost like, well, I wouldn't say class at the same level, but. Mm. So it's a hard, it's, that's the thing, a lot of these leagues, um, especially the newer ones, unless you follow the games inside out, if you're just looking at it for maybe first, second or third time, it's still a wee bit confusing, you know? Well, like when I'm trying to like describe the likes of the juniors <laughs> to you guys and now what is the West of Scotland and it's we kinda of spoke about last week how was it last week or two weeks ago there's gonna be the conference is gonna be split into two. That's now been confirmed. That was confirmed earlier on tonight. So all of the, the tier six conferences will be split into your two teams of ten and then there's gonna be your conferences below that, they're all gonna be split into two as well to try and fit in all the games that's to be played. So 
Again, they announced tomorrow. Uh, I, 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 I really get confused with all because, like, um, I, I'm mates with um, Michael Moore, who's the assistant manager at BCS, mm-hmm. I think it is, um, and I could not tell you what league that is. Yes, in Glasgow, are in yeah. uh, Lowland League. See, I have no idea, and 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 also made me brother. His brother supports Arthurly, and again, I've I've no idea how it works with the juniors. I know the teams, I know some of the grounds. Yeah. Um, I know derbies, but I don't know how the leagues work. But the idea now is that the west of Scotland league will lead into the pyramid to get into the Lowland league. Okay. So you've got. One, two, three, four, which is Premiership, Championship, League One, League Two. Right. You've then got Tier Five, which is the Lowland League and the Highland League. Mm-hmm. You've then now got Tier Six, which is the West of Scotland League, the East of Scotland League, the South of Scotland League, and then you've got Tier Seven, which is the the rest of the West of Scotland set up, etc. And the likes are your. East of Scotland, lower leagues and different things like that as well. So they are trying to make it a bit easier. Mm. So there is kind of nat- you can see kind of natural progression. Um, but it'll probably still take time for it to the fans to get their head around it. Because even people that support the likes of these teams, we are still trying to get their, their head around it because it's mm. it's changing all the time in terms of what's happening. So, so the likes of Arthur, like to me, because obviously Barhead, when I'm a Paisley boy, so Barhead was only ever up the road. Athlete were like a well-known team. Yeah. I think you were saying they're in League 7 or the 7? They'll be in Tier 7, aye. Tier yeah, 7, so how there. many promotions would they need to say to get to the, the playoffs for the um, second division? Oh, right, okay. Yeah. So they, <laughs> <laughs> right, they would have to then go into, they would have to get promoted into Tier 6 first of all. Uh-huh. They would then have to win tier sits playoff which I'm not sure what's going to happen there because you've now got the west of Scotland the east of Scotland and the south of Scotland mm. so you've got three teams you can't have three teams in there a one-off match obviously um, I don't know how they're going to work out that so they would have to win that then they would have to get into the Lowland League mm. and then they would have to win the Lowland League to get into the playoff against a Highland League team for the right to face the team that finishes bottom of League Two. Why? Right, so they'll not be in the, the professional leagues anytime soon, is what you're trying to tell me? Well, it's, it's tough going because the thing that I don't like as well is the fact that you get your, your double your teams at the, the higher league get a double chance. Mm. It should just be the teams are relegated, that's it. And then, See, and then have it, the promotion. For an idea for a pyramid to work, in my eyes, is that there needs to be a natural progression as mm. opposed to this double chance then for the, the teams at the the higher league. Oh, right. it's, it's weird because like you're what well, you think are junior teams are probably different to me from, just basically because of where I come from. So being in Paisley, the big junior teams to me were Arthurly, Renfrew, Pollock, yeah. Nielsen. Yep. Uh, you know, they, they, they kind of teams, which I presume they're all in the lower, the pot seven kind of, tier seven area <laughs> or what have you. Um, I'm trying to let me think. So you've got... Aye, Renfrew should be tier seven. Pollock, no, Pollock are one of the bigger teams, so they're in tier six. Mm. Um, Nielsen will be tier seven. Just trying to remember who finished top three last season. And, uh, aye, 
and Arthur as well. So your your big your big names are the likes of Pollock that you would mention that you would know and then mm. Talbot that I follow and the likes of Beath, Colin, Urban Meadow and stuff like that. Aye, the Ayrshire teams were always like the big, big teams. Yeah. But again, I think coming through Paisley, and certainly because I lived kind of near where I was in Paisley, I was more or less in the border, East Renfrewshire. So I was like beside Barhead. So um, we had like Arthur and Pollock was just down the road and all that kind of thing. So to me, they were always like decent size, um, you know, junior teams. So, aye, it's... Uh, Once fans are allowed back at the games, I'll take you to... You're paying the train fare up, aye? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, I would, I would, I would, I would go up. Uh, I'd let the missus and the wee man go shopping. I'd go and watch walking. Yeah, like. I really worry about because I've been trying to explain it to John and Chris even before that season and the, mm. the re- reconstruction. And I, it can sometimes be a struggle, so don't worry about it. So I think that probably wraps up for this week. So we've managed to do no bad. I think we're about an hour and. 20 minutes maybe or so um, so a bit shorter than the early podcast this season so cheers again yeah. Tony for coming on no worries thanks for oh, having us and thanks. Oh. I know what we've forgotten actually uh, pick it out the best goal of the week what would you say oh, um, I'd, um, the motherwell laddie um, Amble. what's his name ah, yeah I thought, I thought I was going to go. that's the goal that stands out to me um, the boy that scored his name I can't remember now. Aye, it was Campbell. Um, the, the, Campbell, aye. Um, him. That was a good goal. I, I really enjoyed that. Aye, no, I'd be happy enough that I to give it to him. I like the one, the Aberdeen one from a team point of view. Aye, aye. From the pack, I'd, but no, Campbell for them to get a first win of the season as well, an important mm. goal, so not just to go itself. So aye, that's fine. With that, but aye, going back, aye, cheers again for coming on. Ah, oh, anytime, thanks. And I shall speak to you soon. Okay. Speak to you later, mate. Bye. Cheers.